Good morning, good morning, good morning. So chaos, chaos. Would anybody out there describe your life as chaos? Um, we're all busy, right? We all have um, a million tasks to do. Um, my life can recently be described as chaos. So for those of you that don't know, I work a full-time job outside of Crosspoint. Um, I also decided to go back to school this semester, so I'm at Drury getting a, a master's in special education. And uh, my wife is pregnant. Uh, my daughter just started kindergarten. She's playing soccer. That's fun. That's great. She runs the fastest when it's time to go get water. Um, other than that, she just watches what else is going on. Sometimes she sits on the ground in like a pose or um, I don't know what she does. But she's there, and that's, that's important. Uh, my wife also works full-time. She's a seventh-grade science teacher. And we are running from place to place to place to place. And, and my wife, uh, in her own admittance, is not good at being pregnant. Um, she is a high-risk pregnancy, so we've had appointment after appointment. Like, we're 14 weeks, and we've had, like, 12 ultrasounds. Okay, if that gives you any idea. They're always wanting to check stuff. They're always wanting to make sure everything's okay. Everything to this point is going great. Don't want to give any concern out there. Hope it stays that way. But life is absolute chaos. And in the midst of all this, we, we could handle that, right? Like that aspect, all the, the school and the teaching and the working and the church and the everything we could handle. But then I got informed that uh, we're going to have, uh, we, we are not going to have, I am going to have back surgery tomorrow. Uh, I've needed back surgery since I'm eight, since I'm 18 years old. And every year they tell me, no, not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. This is the time that they decided, sure, we'll do it. And I'm just like, hey, thank you guys so much. I appreciate that. Life can be overwhelming, right? The chaos of what we have to deal with can be overwhelming. And if we don't remember that we have a king in the midst of our chaos, uh, a, a God that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and, and has the strength and the power to help us handle any situation, if we don't remember that, we may easily be overwhelmed. We're going to be looking at Daniel this morning, Daniel chapter 1, as we look at our series, The King of Kings. We are going to, to, to discuss the strength that we receive from God, and we are going to discuss the king in the midst of chaos, okay? So we're going to be looking at all of that today. Daniel and his friends, they found themselves in a similar situation, and if you'll either go to your Bible app, or if you have a paper Bible like I do, paper, paper, it's revolutionary, or um, if you just want to follow along on the screen, we're going to be looking at the story of Daniel today. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 10 says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with it some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered... Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude, sounds like I'm a perfect candidate, for every kind of learning, uh, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were enter to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some, of, uh, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The king official gave them new names. 
To Daniel he named Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Meshel, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Here's an important verse. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord and King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Okay, so if you get nothing else from today, one thing I want you to hold on to is that in the midst of chaos, God is with you. In the midst of chaos, God is with you. You are never alone. Now, I have to go back here for all the names, but Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the only one which I remember is Daniel, no offense, uh, lost two of the greatest personal identifiers that a person has, right? They lost their nationality, and they lost their names. The Babylonians were trying to turn them into Babylonians. Think about when you meet somebody. What are the questions you ask them, right? What's your name? Where are you from? You ever been to Branson, Shopton Branson? They always want to know where you're from. Okay, they see your name on the card that you give them to pay for seven. They're like, well, Mr. Huff, where are you from? I'm from Springfield. Oh, so not that far away. How great. You're almost a local. Like, I'm like, almost. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm just here to see the shows. Um, but they lost two of the greatest personal identifiers. What oftentimes we say makes a person a person, they lost those things. They lost their nationality. They lost their names. And in the midst of chaos, they could have, lo- uh, have lost themselves. But they didn't. Why not? See, because Daniel and his friends, they didn't have their identity uh, grounded in where they were from, and their identity wasn't grounded in what people called them. Their identity was grounded in the fact that they were servants of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that God, the Most High, gave them the strength to deal with the situation that they were in. That's where they were grounded. That's where they found their identity. And as individuals, if we put our identity in all these things that can be lost, rather than in the fact that we are servants of the Most High, rather than the fact that we are children of God, when chaos strikes our lives, we may find ourselves lost. We may find ourselves overwhelmed. We may find ourselves unable to cope with the situation that we currently find ourselves in. But Daniel and his friends, they did something else important when we face chaos. Okay, when chaos is occurring, it's important that we take a stand. It's important that we take a stand. Let's read uh, verses 11 through 16, and and I'm going to go back just a little bit, uh, Phil, if you follow with me, because um, I'm going to go back to verse 8, and this is what it says. It says, Daniel uh, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. There's his stand. Now, God had caused the official to... uh, Show favor and compassion on Daniel. We'll skip ahead to 11 and read through 16. It says, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Okay, so vegetables and water only for Daniel and his friends. In the midst of chaos, we have to take a stand. 
But it's not just enough to take a stand. Okay, Our stand that we take has to be in accordance with God's will and with God's word. Think about life, right? There has to come a point where you say, you know what, enough is enough. If we reach this point, we're going to scale back a little bit so that we don't become overwhelmed, so that it doesn't become too much stress on our family. Whatever it may be, you have to have your line in the sand. Well, here Daniel and his friends, they lose their nationality, they lose their names, their identity is trying to be taken from them, and they're trying to replace that identity with a new one. And Daniel says, hey, listen, you can take my name, you can take my country, but you can't take my God, and you can't take the things that God has wanted for me. And so when we take a stand in our life, we have to be sure that that what we stand for isn't for our own self-service, but for the God that we serve and in accordance with his will. See, because Daniel and his friends, they knew that they weren't supposed to defile themselves with food that was unclean. In the Old, Old Testament, there, there's food that they couldn't touch. It was noted as unclean. It, it, was, it was food that would have defiled their bodies, that would have caused them harm. And that was God's will for their life. And so that's where they drew the line in the sand and they said, hey, we're not going beyond this. We have to be people as Christians. We have to be people that, that say enough is enough. We have to be principled. We have to draw our line in the sand and we have to be courageous. Okay, it's not always easy to take that stand. If you think about Daniel and his friends, they were just conquered. They were just brought to a new land. They were basically slaves to this new people. And they stood up and said, You may have conquered us. You may have taken everything from us. But you won't take our God and you won't make us unclean in front of him. What stand is God needing you to take today? It may not be as serious as, you know, sin and no sin, but maybe you're too busy. Maybe you do need to scale back some. Maybe your family... um, doesn't get to see you enough or, or, or maybe you're just overwhelmed in your own personal self there's just too much you're just taking on too much and God maybe say hey simplify your life a little bit you've got so much going on that you're losing focus of me that you're losing focus of what I want for you take a sin say enough is enough and be courageous enough to step out and say this is where I draw the line We live in a society today that seems like every week it's embroiled with some sort of controversy. And oftentimes faith is smack dab in the center of it. And as Christians, it's important to to understand that, that we represent God in all of those situations. And we really do need to take it back to the old bracelet, what would Jesus do? Because I think a lot of times we respond before we think. I know I certainly do. Lots of people will tell you the same thing. Not that they do, but that I do. (laughs) But it's important that as individuals, we really, really have a mindset of Christ. That before we respond to something that we see as vile, or before we respond to something that we see as as wrong or or harmful to the world around us, that we make sure that our response is the one that Jesus would give. I mean, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. (laughs) That's what my mom always tried to teach me. It stuck sometimes. 
But as the old saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And as Christians, we can't afford to be that type of people. We make a stand for Christ. We make a stand for the one who stands for us. And you know what? God gives us the ultimate strength to be able to do that. God gives us the ultimate strength to be able to do that. You just need to rely on him. You need to lean on him. You need to turn situations over to him. Something too stressful for you to handle? There's a thing called prayer. It's a discussion with God. It doesn't have to be eloquent. doesn't have to be perfect. just has to be done. The right mindset and the right heart saying that, God, I want to take a stand for you. Show me your will. Show me your way. And the final thing that we learn from Daniel here today is that God blesses those who represent him well. Let's look at uh, verses 17 through 20. It said to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the king Cyrus. This is a principle that we see throughout Scripture, right? That God blesses those who serve them well. And as Christians, I think a lot of times it's one that um, we're scared to approach. Because if you think of Job, you can also do nothing wrong and still face heartache and still face trials and tribulations and, and, and a life situation that just seems unfair. Okay, so you can do absolutely nothing wrong and things can still go terribly bad for you. But if we follow the will that God has in our lives, we guarantee that we will be blessed if nothing else with the gift of living an eternal life with God. But throughout Scripture, we see this principle. Um, it's biblically accurate to say, if I serve God well, God will bless my life. And maybe he blesses my life by making me an example of how to deal with hardship and suffering and pain in a Christian way. Or maybe... I become a great success and everything in my life seems to go well. One does not make a better Christian than the other. Okay, but if, if one thing I can guarantee you, if we don't live a life for Christ, if we don't live a life well, the blessing will not occur. That's a guarantee that I can make. And so it's, it's not a coincidence that Daniel and his friends represent God so well, they take a stand for Christ, they do what God would want them to do in this situation, and then we see God lift them up in the service of the king, and we see them exalted, and we see that there is no one matching them in all the land. Because God gave them strength in this situation, they were courageous enough to take a stand for what God would take a stand for, and God blessed them for that. In life, that's really all that we can ask for ourse from ourselves as Christians, right? In the face of hardships, remember who my king is. 
seek to follow and obey that king and receive the blessing that he places on our lives. As I said before, the ultimate reward for a life well lived is the gift of living a life eternally with the King of Kings. So today, you may be saying, I'm overwhelmed. My life is chaos. And I say to you, take strength from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who loves you, who calls you child, who tells you that you are loved and you are worth it and that it's okay. And live a life where you seek to do what's best in each and every situation. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study uh, a little bit of your word, to see how in the midst of chaos you are still the king, you are still the ruler, Lord, that you give us strength that is unparalleled to handle each and every situation that we may not be able to handle on our own. Lord, my, my words may not have been perfect today, but, but your love is. Your love is perfect. And so for each and every individual here, that love is available. And God, all you require from us to receive that love is to accept it. You give it freely because you want what's best for us. Oftentimes, looking at the Christian life, we see a life of regulation and we see a life of no's. But God, there's freedom in living a life for you, freedom that we can't experience if we don't live that life for you, if we don't have a relationship with you. And Lord, today in the midst of chaos for individuals in this room, when life becomes too much, I pray that they just turn and they seek your face, God. Because you tell us that the weary who seek you out, they will find rest. Give us the wisdom and the knowledge to live our lives every day to the best of our ability to serve you well. God, I pray that if there's anybody out there today that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that relationship with you, they come talk to me in the back about what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a child of the one true God. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.